Lesson from the First Letter of St. John the Apostle Most dearly beloved, the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed in this way. All who do not do what is right are not from God, nor are those who do not love their brothers and sisters. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who was from the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brother's righteous. Do not be astonished, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life, because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. All who hate a brother or sister are murderers, and you know that murderers do not have eternal life abiding in them. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time Jesus said to his disciples, Nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. The Saving Words of the Gospel Today we celebrate the Feast of St. Polycarpus Smyrna, who was born in 69 AD and died in, um, I don't re exactly recall, probably the middle of the second century. Um, they burned him, and uh, that didn't work, and then they stabbed him. Uh, we have uh, writings of Polycarp. Uh, we have, he was a disciple of John, according to St. Jerome, and probably also a mentor to St. Irenaeus. Uh, Irenaeus mentions uh, Polycarp in his own letters. And so this, this figure of Polycarp is a kind of a bridge figure. He's one of these writers whom we classify together, these early Christian writers who are just after the Apostles, but still have links to the apostles, whom they they knew one of them or more of them, and their their writings uh, therefore serve as a kind of a bridge between the apostles and the apostolic age, and then continuing tradition which comes down to us uh, today, uh, the regula fide and the, the apostolic tradition and teaching um, is an unbroken is an unbroken chain going all the way back to them. And so uh, some of the other figures in this grouping of fathers, early fathers, are uh, Clement of Rome, uh, who was a successor to Peter, uh, Ignatius of Antioch, whom I mentioned, Papias of Hierapolis, 
as one of them. You um, probably want to uh, name your children after Papias or um, Quadratus of Athens. Uh, I don't think we have nearly enough children today being named Quadratus, um, although I'm sure that some will probably think that that's kind of a square name. Um, the Didache, the teaching, uh, um, is also some of this, a part of this grouping of, of bridge um, writings that bring, uh, that connect the apostles to the, to the rest of uh, apostolic tradition. Uh, the uh, relics of St. Polycarp, um, I don't remember exactly by what, what manner they, they were translated, but uh, they eventually uh, found them, their way to Rome, and there's a little church sort of near the ghetto area of, of Rome called uh, Sant'Ambrogio della Massima, and it's thought to have been in the place where Ambrose of Milan lived when he was in Rome. And there's a, a church there now, and in the side of the altar there's a there's an inscription stone in both Greek and Latin saying that these are the, the bones of the bones of Polycarp are within. It's really too bad. It's a sad little church and uh, you know you would think that the, the people would, would treasure uh, what they have received and take you know good care of it and marvel at the fact uh, that they have a figure like Polycarp, or some connection to Polycarp, such an important figure, but, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a kind of a familiarity breeds contempt thing, or a, or a comfort zone, um, which uh, lulls people into kind of a, a sleep. And of course, this is what the Lord today is inveighing against in a certain way, um, in our Gospel from Matthew, Matthew 10. Uh, Matthew... Matthew has um, in it a series of um, discourses by the Lord. You might um, you know, think of the Sermon on the Mount, and that's one of the discourses of the Lord. Well, this is his missionary uh, or discipleship discourse. And uh, well, or this, this is, tails on to that. This one has to do also about persecution and martyrdom. Um, you can only, you know, what when you hear whispered in, you know, in the in the darkness, well, go out into the light, go up onto the rooftops and and announce it. In a way, it's it's almost like saying, as I send you out in your mission work, you're going to be afraid, and that's obviously the background here because um, in the, the the verse that we have here in Matthew that begins the gospel. Is, not, is just the second half of, of verse uh, 26 from chapter 10. The verse actually starts out, So, therefore, have no fear of them. It's, it's pretty clear that as the Lord is going to send them out to do work, they are afraid. Um... They've already accused the Lord of being possessed by the devil. Um, if they're going to accuse him, who speaks with such authority and must have had an amazing presence, then how much more are they going to go after the, his followers who, who aren't nearly as prepared, well prepared as the Son of God? 
they're going to go after them, and they're probably there's potential that they're going to they're going to suffer, and they may be even afraid for their lives. And the Lord is saying, well, in a way, you have to be even bolder than I am. Uh, go out there and uh, get up onto the rooftop. Now, the Lord has already used. Ah, this is an interesting point. Go up onto the rooftop and preach it is a way of using technology. Right now, I am on a rooftop, and I have as my force multiplier, just as the height of the roof allows you to speak to more people who are down below who can see you, so too, in, you know, I'm one little guy, but I could be uh, viewed by, by multiple people in many different places. So it's like going up onto the rooftop. It's the same thing about when the Lord, you might remember, he was along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he got into a boat, and they let him the boat out onto the water at the end of a line uh, so that the people along the shore could hear him. Number one, voices travel well across water, but um, you know that those sight lines and so forth, many more people could see him and hear him if he was out in the water. And so it was a use of technology in order to be a force multiplier for the preaching of the message. And because the boat was at the end of a line, I like to say it was the first instance of online ministry. So this is what the Lord is saying. If if you have heard something, you know, kind of quietly, go out into the into the light and and tell it. If you hear something whispered amongst us, then go up on the on the rooftops and preach it to everybody. Be bold. Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And it's a good thing to 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 remember this, because there are moments in our life when we are called upon to give witness, uh, give witness to our, our identity, um, give witness to our baptized character. Um, you know, in the first letter of John here, we, uh, we, we have passed from death to life because we love one another. The, the sacrament, this beautiful sacrament of love called baptism has brought us from, brought us from death through a death, through a death and into and into life. And he talks about the necessity even to lay down our lives for the good of others. That's the sacrificial love that's manifested so perfectly on the cross. This, all, all through the readings, especially the readings that we have, um, I think in the older form of Mass and the orations, are constantly reminding us of the cost of discipleship. It's going to cost something. And whenever you hear words from the Lord, strong words, um, like, if you do not pick up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And remember what the symbol of the cross meant back then um, to his listeners. It isn't, you know, today we've had generations and generations, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years about, you know, taking up your cross. Well, maybe your daily burden, you know, the headache that you have is a kind of cross. Um you know your your neighbor or the really annoying person at work. You know can be can be a cross for you. And indeed, yes, okay. But for the listeners back in the Lord's day, the cross was an instrument of hideous torture and humiliation. And that is the level that the Lord wants from us for for our discipleship. And so when we're on some you know situation that even might be a little bit awkward, either socially or familially or whatever. We nevertheless have to 
bear witness to the Lord and bear witness to our identity. Oremos. Amen. 